these um, these big boards over here. Aren't these aren't these cool? Uh, I want I want you to see something. Um, if you didn't notice uh, that that the words the, these are the names of the Lord, the names of God in the Old Testament, and then these over here are the names of the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. And so he takes on some of the characteristics. And so if somebody could read some of those, I'll read this one over here because I can't see from there to there, from here to there. Uh, but this is, um, the first one says, Adonai, I am Lord, Master. What does that one say? John 13, speaking of Jesus. It says over here, um, uh, El Olam, I am the everlasting God. Speaking of Jesus. Okay, I am the most high God. All right. Uh, I am the Lord of hosts, Yahweh uh, Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Captain of lords and hosts. Uh, I am the Lord who provides. Okay, this one over here says, um, uh, Elohim, the cre- I am creator, judge. Okay, uh, this one is Yahweh, I am the existing one. Okay, uh, uh, Yahweh Ra'a, I am the Lord, your shepherd. Oh, Jesus says, right? El Shaddai, I am, uh, I am the Lord uh, God Almighty. Jesus. Yahweh Rapha, I am the Lord who heals. Uh, uh, Yahweh Mikadishim, I am the Lord, your sanctifier. Who sanctifies. Uh, Kwana, I am jealous for my people. I'm the bridegroom. Yahweh Nisi, I, uh, I am the Lord, your banner. All right. Yahweh Shalom, I am the Lord, your peace. Ooh, Jesus said that. Okay. Yahweh Tekenu, uh, I am your righteousness, or the Lord, your righteousness. I am the resurrection and the life. Isn't that cool? It's cool, you know. That's why so often in the New Testament, the, they were ready to kill Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at that in John chapter 8 in a little bit because of the things that he said. You know, he claimed to be God. He took on the names of God and, the, and, and certainly the char- characteristics of God as well. So we're in Exodus chapter 3. We're in Exodus chapter 3. Moses, if you remember two weeks ago or last week, I guess, Moses, um, two weeks ago, Moses uh, uh, failed in his attempt to lead the people of God. And he's going to spend the next 40 years in the wilderness decompressing from Egypt. Okay? Uh, He had spent the first 40 years of his life living in Egypt. And uh, now the Lord had taken him to the backside of the wilderness to tend sheep so that he could deprogram him of Egypt and so that he might uh, be able to press into God. Now, it may have seemed like Nothing was going on, but God was at work. Forty years tending sheep, it may seem like nothing was going on, but God was at work. Um, He was at work in Moses, and he was at work in Israel. Israel is in captivity. They are in bondage. But they are coming to the place of the end of that captivity, but they don't know it yet. The only one who knows it is the Lord. So you never know what God's up to on the other side of the mountain, right? You never know what God's up to on the other side of the mountain. And when you are on the backside of the mountain, it's a good thing to wait until you get further instruction because you don't want to leave the mountain too early. 
If you're in the backside of the mountain or in the wilderness, you want to wait there until God gives you further uh, uh, direction on uh, what needs to take place. Uh, so let's look at verse 23 of chapter 2 of Exodus, verse 23 through 25, just so we can get the context for verse three, uh, chapter 3. So it says, Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for, uh, uh, and their cry for help because of, uh, of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. Uh, this message is entitled, The God Who Sees, The God Who Hears, and The God Who Has Come Down. The God who sees, the God who hears, and the God who has come down. I want you to notice in verse 23, it says that it was in the course of many days. So that king died. And the children of Israel are crying out to God because of their, of their bondage. Uh, and they're crying out for help. And it, 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 sound, it says that their, their cries rose up to God. Now, haven't they been crying before? Yes, they had been. Uh, but there was, a, there was a timing involved, and, and there, was a, there was a weeping and a wailing, and, and, and it was rising up to God. And there was a time where, where God said, okay, now is that time. Now, they didn't know it, but see, you know, you might look at Egypt and think nothing's changed, but the cries have risen up to God. Sometimes, you know, quick prayers don't do it. You have to keep on praying, and you have to keep on praying and pressing in, and that, those prayers will rise up to God, and God will do things based on the prayers of his people sometimes. God will, will intervene and, and do things, and so don't lose heart. And so it says, it says God heard their groaning, okay? Did he not hear it before? Yes, he heard it before, but this is the timing that he's about to do something. And so the context is he heard it, and it wasn't that he didn't hear it before, but he has heard it, and now he's about to do something. And then it says he remembered. Look at what it says. It says that, that, that God remembered. I mean, did he forget? No, God doesn't forget anything. But that word remember is a, is a, is a, a phrase that oftentimes is associated with the, with the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, And and it says here, God remembered his covenant, not with Moses, but with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because God made a promise to them, and there was a timing for God to begin the next phase of that covenant that he had said. Genesis chapter 8, we see the same thing where the Lord, it says that God remembered Noah. He remembered him. And in in Genesis 9, 16, it says... um, when the bow is in the cloud, speaking of the rainbow, uh, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And what was the covenant that God made with creation that he would never flood the entire earth again? And so the rainbow, for whatever scientific reason it happens, God created the rainbow as a reminder of his covenant with creation that he would never flood the earth again. Now, the earth will be destroyed by fire, but you're going to have to wait until a little bit further in Revelation on, on Sundays to get to that. Okay? Now, that's different. And so it says, God saw, and then God took notice of them. Did he not see before? Well, of course he did. Um, uh, uh, did he not take notice of them before? Well, of course he did. But there's a fullness of time. There's a timing of God, and, and he had already said that the people would be in bondage 400 years. He said that. He said that to Abraham, that they would be locked down by people that were not in a land that, uh, that was not their own, 
for 400 years, then he would release them from that. And so now the time has come. Now nobody knows it but God, but the time has come. And so whenever God's about to deliver his people, he always raises up a deliverer. Okay? When God's about to deliver his people, he always raises up a deliverer. He, he sends someone. He, he puts a word in someone's heart. He speaks to someone about a people group, about a nation, about a city, about a neighborhood, about a family. There is always God using men and women as deliverers to deliver his people. And, and you know, Moses does not know this. But he's about to be called by God. Okay, now this first part in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, this is just an ordinary day in the life of Moses. Listen, he doesn't even have his own sheep. He's tending Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep. He's been in Midian 40. He left all the riches and all the glitz and glam of Egypt, and he's in Midian on the backside of the wilderness and doesn't even have some sheep to call his own. Okay? This is still his gig 40 years later. It says in verse 1, chapter 3 of Exodus, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side. Everybody say west side. I just wanted to hear you say that. You know? <laughs> to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Okay, this is just just any old ordinary day in Midian. All right, this is no different than than any other day. And he's doing his thing. He's uh, attending his sheep. Moses is busy being a kingdom man. And a kingdom man is someone who is who is not um, distracted by the monotony of life, uh, someone who is busy about what God has called them to do, whatever it may be. There's nothing glamorous or glorious or super exciting about tending sheep on the backside of a mountain. Nothing at all. He's been doing it for 40 years. Moses has been grinding it out for 40 years. He knew that back in the day God called him to be the deliverer of his people. He tried to deliver his people. He assumed that they would understand that. He killed an Egyptian, then he is running for his life, and he hasn't been back to Egypt since. Maybe, just maybe, he's thinking, you know what? That's never going to, that was a dream 40 years ago. It's not going to happen now. I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm probably going to die in Midian. It doesn't say that, but maybe he thought that. But whatever the case, he's busy being a kingdom man, uh, 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 putting his hand to whatever God has for him. Whatever God has for him. I think that sometimes we get so distracted by where we are and we're so focused on where we should be that we lose the moment of where we are. You know, you hear sports figures all the time talk about playing in the moment. You know, and that, and that is like, like in, that, in that sequence of time, they're locked in. They're not focusing on the next play or, or the next quarter. They're focusing on right now. Golfers especially have to play in the moment. They have to control their emotions. They have to not think about, well, if I make this or miss this, they have to just play in that moment. And that's what Moses is doing. But he has no idea that the next phase of his life is about to begin. It was just an ordinary day in Midian. That's all it was. 
It was just an ordinary day. But God has an appointment with Moses. Moses doesn't know it, but he sees it. He's here. Okay. Uh, that's usually how things happen with men and women of God. A lot of times, I mean, most of the time, it's just, you know, you're grinding it out. You're, you're busy where God has planted you. You're, you're putting your hand to the plow. You're, you're working hard. And then, and then something really like off the wall, crazy, not what you expected happens. David is tending sheep. He is tending sheep. He's not even invited to the party when the prophet comes by to anoint the new king. And the prophet says, now, wait a minute. Is there any other sons that you have? Well, yeah, we do have one other son. He's kind of like, you know, he's out there with the sheep. Bring him in. And behold, the new king of Israel, right? What was he doing? He was tending sheep. And after he got anointed king, what happened? He went back to the sheep again. Okay? You would think, okay, I'm going to get a new robe, get some shoes, get some jewelry. No, he got nothing. Go back to the sheep, and you'll get, you know, wait for further instruction. He's like, all right, all right, all right. That had to be rough, huh? Younger brother is annoying the new king of Israel, and you weren't? Uh, Peter was fishing. Matthew was busy doing what? He's collecting taxes, right? He's doing his thing, right? Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree. Uh, 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 Sycamore? I forget. Anyway, Elijah, uh, Elisha was plowing a field. Plowing a field. Busy. Being a kingdom man. Right where God has you planted. And then... And then the call came. Uh, amazing. Um, God has prepared Israel for this, and he has prepared Moses for this. But neither one of them know it. <laughs> Verse 2 through 6 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Would that not get your attention? And this bush is burning, but it's not burning up. I don't even smell smoke. It's just burning. Like, like there's a, we understand, you know, gas-fired bush, but this thing didn't have that. Uh, and it says, who, who appeared to him? The angel of the Lord, right? Who, who, who appeared to him? Okay, keep that in mind. Okay, uh, so Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, okay, when did the, when did the Lord call out to him? When he turned aside to look. Keep that in mind. So when the Lord, now wait a minute, let me just back up verse 2 again. It says, uh, who appeared to him in the blazing fire? Okay, the angel of the Lord. Verse 4 says, when who saw that he turned aside? The Lord. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face and was afraid to look at who? God. Okay, okay. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the midst of burning fire uh, from the midst of a bush. Verse 4, God called from the midst of the bush. Moses hid his face. Then, Moses, take off your sandals because the place that you are standing is holy ground. Okay, what made it holy? The presence of the Lord. Joshua 5.13, there was a man with a sword... uh, 
uh, who, uh, with, a, with a, a sword drawn. And Joshua says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? He says, neither, but I'm captain of the Lord of hosts. Okay? Um, um, now, here's what I believe about that. I believe that this is none other than Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Because oftentimes he shows up in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord, and then there's some attribute of God. Here, the angel of the Lord appears, and then the Lord speaks. I believe this is Jesus Christ. Anyway, Moses says, uh, here I am. Here I am. Isaiah, when he was commissioned, his response was when he saw the king and he saw a vision of heaven uh, and said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. There was a seraphim that came down and took a coal from the altar and touched his lip. And it says, Behold, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Having been purged, having been cleansed, Isaiah responds to the Lord. The Lord said to him, Whom shall I send? Who will go? And he says, Here I am. Send me. And the Lord said, Go. So Isaiah was ready. You know, we have to be ready for those God encounters, don't we? We have to be ready for the surprise visitations of God. You know, God will show up in some ways you don't expect. It might be a burning bush. might be somebody. might be some reminder. might be the sunset. might be the sunrise. might be flowers. might be a hummingbird. You know, you never know how the Lord will speak to you. But a ready person never needs to get ready because he is ready. A ready person never needs to get ready because he or she is ready. Ephesians says, make the most of every opportunity. God opportunities. God opportunities. I've shared this story before. It's such a great story. Uh, years ago, years ago, a friend of mine was traveling, and they got stuck at Chicago Airport. And, um, you know, they were on the runway for an hour. Uh, then they had to uh, go, uh, uh, go, go back into the uh, into the terminal and waited out and he's walking back and forth there's a phone booth over here and the phone rings this was back in the day of phone booths okay before cell phones like only the military had cell phones or whoever yeah bc right before cell phones and uh and he walks by this phone and you know he's kind of a character anyway and so he kind of looks you know there's no one around so he decides to answer it <laughs> so he walks over the phone picks it up and goes hello And on the other end, this is what he told me. He said, this person says, hey, baby. (laughs) And he says, hey, (laughs) because you got to know him. He would do that, right? Hey, what you doing? Um, I'm at O'Hare Airport waiting to uh, uh, catch my flight. No, you're not. Why are you saying that? You know, da-da-da. And he's having this, uh, this long conversation with this girl who thinks that this is his honey. And he's not. But he kind of played along with it for a while. Then it started getting hot and heavy. Like, well, why don't you come over here? He goes, wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. No, no. Seriously, you call a payphone at O'Hare International Airport. My plane was delayed an hour. I was walking by the payphone, and you, and I picked up. And she goes, why are you lying to me? He goes, no, ma'am, I'm not lying. I'm not. He's got nothing else to do, right, but have a conversation with this unknown person on the other end. And then finally she believes him. And he just starts telling her about Jesus. And, and, you know, long story short, she repents and gives her life to the Lord. And, you know, he used to call those God sightings. God sightings. You know, where God just showed up. God just did something. That's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that funny? 
I mean, how did you come to the Lord? Well, I made a phone call. <laughs> you know, I called some random dude at an airport and got born again. What? You know, hey, testimony time. Hey, that's what God does. Ah, let's see. Make the most of every opportunity. Moses, having been purged and cleansed in the wilderness, is now ready in God's eyes. But he's not ready in his own eyes. Instead of saying, here I am, send me. As we'll see, he'll say, who am I? And someone said that the worship experience is so often followed by a work experience. You know, there are people who come to church and they get, they get touched by the Lord and, and maybe, maybe they get emotionally fired up and excited about God. And you know what? Uh, that's not the point of the experience. The point of the experience is what happens next. What happens next? Yeah, the work experience so often follows. And so he takes off his shoes in an act of reverence and an act of humility. You know, God is our friend. He's our brother. Jesus is our brother in New Testament context. Uh, but he's also the sovereign Lord. And we don't approach God um, uh, frivolously. We don't approach God with a lack of respect. Uh, he is the Lord God Almighty. And it's a healthy thing to fear him as that. And not just some, maybe you have a pet name for the Lord that's between you and him, and I guess that's cool, but have a reverence and have a respect for him. I mean, this is the Lord speaking, and he says, Moses, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. So when you worship the Lord, how do you approach the Lord? Do you approach him casually? Uh, do you, uh, do you uh, come to him as an invited guest of the king? You know, years ago I was in Hawaii for a brief period of time, and uh, my best friend's dad was, was, was working with the team that was uh, in charge of security for then-President Clinton when he was visiting. And, and, and it was this massive amount of preparation that went on. Uh, this massive amount of security uh, uh, from right next to him to five feet away to 20 feet away to, a, to, to 30 feet away to, a, a, you know, every, there's concentric rings to snipers uh, uh, on buildings to, to uh, boats out in the harbor. I mean, and, and, I mean, and this was for the president. But how much more? This was, this was what, so that people could approach the president. How much more when we approach the king of kings? Have a reverence and an awe. And, and, a, and, a, and a respect. Yeah, okay, verse 7. So this is, a, this is interesting. Moses hides his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Verse uh, 7 through 10 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, and I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And now, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come up to me. There's that rising up of the cry. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, that's you. You're Moses. 
You just, you ran away from the bush. You hid yourself. And the Lord's like, come on, come on back, come on back. And he explains all this to you and says, I'm sending you back to Egypt. Your response is, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? Wait, 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 time out. What? Okay. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Can, can I ask a few questions? Before I say yes, uh, and interestingly, the Lord did not ask him, did he? He says, therefore, come now, I'll send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring out the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Hey, hold on, wait, hold on. Do I have a choice here or can I ask a few questions? Uh, wait a minute, now how am I going, you know, okay, right, right? Would you not do that? I mean, God gave you some colossal task to do. He just dropped something in your spirit. You knew it was the Lord. It's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, wait a minute now. This is going to change everything. I mean, I might have to move. I might have to give up some things. I might, have, you know, what about, well, what about this? You know, I'm kind of like, liking, you know, it's been 40 years here with the sheep, but I'm kind of digging this, Lord. I mean, I've kind of like settled in in Midian, right? Just when you settled in, sometimes the Lord shakes it up and says, no, no, this is not, this is not, uh, this is not my calling for you. And, 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 and he wants to call him into something that he once said to him before. Maybe Moses forgot about it. But we'll see, based on his response, he was far from that same boy that left Egypt 40 years ago. He's far from that. He's far from that young man. Um, <sighs> there are those who try to run from God, somehow thinking that maybe God doesn't see. Uh Psalm 115 speaks of idols that have ears, but uh, can't hear, eyes, but can't see. They have noses, but can't smell, I mean, hands and feet. But God says, I, I've seen the affliction. Uh, I've heard their cry. I'm aware of their suffering. And, and I have come down. Maybe you felt alone. Maybe you felt at some point, God, do you really hear? Do you really see during a crisis time? Do you wonder, does God even care? God, how, how much longer, oh God, do I need to be in this pit? How much longer? And God says, you know what? I see. God sees all things. Hey, God sees all things. God sees all things. All things. Everything. Nothing is hidden from his sight. A sparrow falls to the ground and dies. God knows. He's a, a hare plops out of our head. Huh? You lost the hair there, didn't you? <laughs> what? I mean, I mean, and, and it's not just like, well, okay, God, how many hairs do I have now? That's not it. The point is he knows you that well. And he sees all things to the, to the nth, to the infinite degree God sees. God sees the inward parts. He, he sees, and he knows not only, he don't, not only sees what we do, but he knows the motivation for why we do it. Which sometimes we don't even know. Why did you do that? I don't know. I just, I, I don't know why I did it. Well, God knows why we did it. Because he knows the core, the deepest part of who we are, God sees. Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Job 36, um, uh, he prayed that he wouldn't withhold his eyes from the righteous. Psalm 33, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him. Second Chronicles uh, 16, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the entire earth that he might supro- strongly support those whose heart are completely his. Genesis 16, Hagar uh, uh, return, uh, uh, is, is in the wilderness. She's running away 
uh, from Abraham and Sarah. And the Lord says, return and I will multiply you. And she says, thou art a God who sees. I didn't think anybody saw me out here in this wilderness. God, you saw. And thou art El Roi, the God who sees. Right? Now, but not only does he see, he hears. It's easy to feel like God doesn't hear because sometimes our timing is different than God's timing. We say, God, do you see this? God says, I see it, but it's not the right time yet. From the groanings of chapter 2, verse 24, to this time, Moses is ready. Daniel chapter 12, I heard, but I didn't understand. Not what shall be at the end, uh, 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 what shall be the end of these things. The Lord says, go thy way, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Blessed is he that waiteth. Sometimes it's not the right time. Yeah, it's not the right time. Sometimes because of sin in our life. <laughs> you know, you know, continual sin, just not ongoing, just sin. And, you know, we kind of settle into our sin. I was, you know, someone recently, a young couple, young couple, you know, asked me to pray for him. I said, yeah, yeah, what, what would you like me to pray? What would you like me to pray? I mean, I, you know, yeah, I'll pray. Absolutely, I'll pray for you. Whatever, yeah, I pray. You know, and like, well, we just need direction. We need guidance from God. You know, they wanted the blessing of God. I said, let me ask you a question. Y'all living together? Yeah. Oh, dude, come on, man. Come on. Okay, now, like. Like, like, I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you, but, but you, you already know that your living situation is not right, and you want a blessing from God. You want to hear from God. You want to move out in God, and you're living in sin. Okay, that's not going to happen, bro. We know, we know, we know. Okay, okay, so what are you asking me here? Why don't you, like, call it love or call it quits? <laughs> Why don't you get married or move on? Why don't you get your relationship right this way and you'll get it right that way? You know? And we've all made relationship mistakes. We can all say, oh, boy, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've done that, done that, man. But maybe the reason you're not feeling like you can move forward in God is because you're, 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 you're walking in sin. Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And the word for regard there is cherished. If I cherish sin in my heart, I continue, I continue, I continue. Uh, but God does hear. Uh, you hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all of his fears or all of his troubles. So God sees, God hears, and then he says, No, I've come down. Uh, now, Moses, the children of Israel, are in the midst of a storm, and, and the Lord says, I've come down. Jacob's ladder was all about the blessing of the Lord. Jacob wrestles with the Lord, right? Wrestles with the angel of the Lord and says, surely the Lord was in this place. I didn't know it. Jacob was, was at, a, was at the, the, the lowest point of his life, and God visited him in that low point. How many of you would say amen? I, I know, I, yeah, yeah, God will definitely visit you at the low point. Sometimes he doesn't show up yet because you haven't gone down low enough yet. The Lord said, no, not yet. No, God, where are you? Oh, not yet, not yet. And then you get to a point. It's like, ah, oh, yes. Moses, by the way, is a, is a, very, is a very humble man. Now, <laughs> 40 years later, he may not have been before, but now he's very humble. 
Uh, look at verse 11 and 12. Here's his response. How would you respond? Oh, Lord, I'm out of here. Well, just point the direction, Lord. I can't wait to get out of Midian. No, I think Moses had settled into Midian. I, I, I think it had become familiar to him and comfortable for him. Whether or not he believed he would ever deliver the people again, he does ask about whether or not he's the guy for the job. So maybe he just figured that was never going to happen again, and he buried that. I don't know. But look at his response. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Wait a minute, 40 years ago, you thought you were the man. Oh, I see. He's been humbled in the wilderness, and now he's like, Lord, I am not. Who am I? Woo, do you get that? You see how far he's come and how long it's taken? Who am I? Verse 12, and he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. I'll tell you how you'll know, Moses. You're going to go and deliver my people. You're going to come back to this mountain right here. And you're going to look up and say, okay, Lord, okay, okay. And Lord's going to say, I told you, I told you, right? You're going to come right back to this mountain. But look how, how humble, because humility is essential if you want to be a great, Man or woman of God, great, great, you must be humble. You must be humble. You must be humble. If you're not humble, you, you, I mean, you could fire people up and it could be, you could, you could have a big stuff happen for you, but it won't be of God. Because, you know, you can, you can fire up people to support stuff and do things, right? But the Holy Spirit won't be there. No, no, you're going to be great in the kingdom. Be the least. Proverbs 15, before honor comes humility. Saul said, in the, in, in the king Saul said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of my family and the least of all the families? David said, Is it trivial in your sight to become the, the king's son-in-law since I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? That was after he slayed Goliath. After he slayed He's invited into the king's house by marriage. He's like, That's, is that, this is not a light thing. I'm a poor man, Dave. Wait, David, you've already killed Goliath. You ought to be like, yeah, man, you know what? I got that coming. I mean, I just killed Goliath, man. This is part of the entourage, part of the, you know, the kickback. This is now, this, now I'm about to get paid now. No, no, man. How was King David used? Isaiah says, woe is me for I'm ruined. Amos, the prophet, said, uh, I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. I'm a herdsman and a grower of what? Sycamore figs. You call me a prophet, I'm not that. Right? John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to remove his sandals. Jesus said, there is no one greater born of women than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. Oh. You want to be big in the kingdom? Let me tell you the way up, down. There are those who think the way up is up. Let them go. <laughs> Let them go, because we know the secret. The way up is down. That's how, you, that's, how you get, that's how you get elevated. Nicole Norderman, one of my favorite uh, uh, Christian music singers, especially back in the day, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, she said that as she, 
as she traveled from city to city and done, did worship music, young ladies in particular would come to her all the time and say, I want to do what you do. I want to sing worship songs and I want to travel and I want to, and you know what she'd say? She'd say, this is what she said. She said, she would tell them, you know what? Great. Keep that passion alive. Go back and serve your local church and wait for God to raise you up. Go back and humble yourself and be a servant. Because, you know, they look at, you know, we look at lifestyles like glitz and glam and all these people. And it's like, you know, go serve. And that's what she said. That's all I did. I served in my church. I did weddings, you know, wrote some music. And it just kind of came my way. Ah, there's a secret there. Numbers 12.3 says this regarding Moses. Moses was more humble than any man on the face of the earth. Okay, do we get it now? One of the greatest men of God ever was the most humble on earth during his his state. It says that. He has that distinction, the most humble. You know what? The wilderness will do that to you. Amen? The wilderness will do that to you. So his response, first of all, who am I? He questions his ability. But you know what? It wasn't in his own strength he was going to deliver Israel. It was going to be by God's strength. He questions his ability. This is the, this is the uh, two of five uh, um, uh, uh, responses or, or excuses. Who am I? You, who am I, Lord? I, I'm, I'm not the guy to do this. Uh, you got the wrong guy, all right? Uh, and then the second, um, uh, he questions his message. Um, now, but look at verse 12 first. He says, who am I? And then verse 12 says, here's the key. Here's the key for Moses. Certainly, I will be with you. That's it. Right there. Moses, it's not about you. It's not about you. Listen, it's all about me. The Lord says, I will be with you. That's all you need. That's all you need. And there's going to come a time where Moses is going to say, Lord, if you don't go before us, we're not going. And he says, I'll go before you. <laughs> I'll go. Don't worry. Ah, that's it. That's it. Who am I? I'll be with you. That's all you need to know. I'll be with you. That's it. Boy. What a promise. God, are you going to go with me? Yeah, I'll be with you. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thy rod and thy staff for what? With me. You're there. Hey, I'm not going to go on my own, Lord. I'm not asking you to go on your own. I'm asking you to go with me. What an invitation. God invites us to join him in his work and says, will you walk with me? Now, listen, he could do it all by himself because <laughs> that's what God does. But he says, will you go with me? Wow. I love that. Verse 13, it says, here's Moses' second excuse. Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they will say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? (laughs) Why? Because all the gods in Egypt had names, as we'll see when we get to the plagues. And it's like, no, they're going to ask me your name. What am I supposed to say? Okay. Look at what he says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Somebody read John chapter 8, verse 24. I'll need three of you to turn to John chapter 8 because there's three verses we're going to look at. Now, let me explain this name. Jehovah, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. Um, Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, originally written without vowels. So you had Y-H-W-H. The true pronunciation, 24, the true pronunciation is entirely lost. We don't know the exact pronunciation, okay? The ancient Jews avoided every mention of it because of its sacredness and its holiness and to avoid profaning or blaspheming the name in mentioning it, they would add vowels and say Adonai. It would read Yahweh, but they would say Adonai for reverence of that name. So the vowels, later on, vowels were added to the Hebrew text for readability, and we get Yehoah or Yahweh, which is most likely how it was pronounced, and the English transliteration of that is Jehovah. That's how we get that. Now, I had an argument with the guy on the streets once telling me that the, the Bible was corrupted. It's corrupted. I said, really? Yes. And I say, um, uh, I said to him, um, uh, well, what's corrupted about it? And he goes, they changed the name of God. So what? They changed the name. Well, what did they change it from? He didn't know. Well, why did they change it? What would be the motivation for changing the name? Well, no, no, but they changed it. Therefore, the whole Bible is corrupt. Corrupted? I said, who corrupted it? The Jews. I said, what are you talking about, man? They corrupted it. I said, Really? And if you believe the book is corrupted, why do you quote it so much? And secondly, what would be the motivation for them corrupting it? And thirdly, if they did corrupt it, why don't they take out stuff like love your enemies? (laughs) You think that's funny. I do too. I think it's hilarious. And then what was the motivation behind corrupting it? And how do you, what was the original one? Well, you don't know what the original name was. You, when was it corrupted? We don't know that either. Well, you don't seem to know anything except that it was corrupted. And you have really no evidence because they changed the name. I said, it doesn't matter to me because my Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So I already understand the original pronunciation has been lost, but all I know is I know the name of Yeshua, Jesus. And at the name of Yeshua, and I know that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, both in the heavens and the earth and under the earth. So I'm, so I'm cool. I'm cool. Ah, corrupted. All right. The common definition is from the verb to be. The idea is underived existence. That, that God exists within the entity of himself, that he has no needs. He has, he, he's not lacking in anything. Everything else in creation uh, is dependent upon something, someone uh, for existence. Uh, he, is, he is that in a sense in which no other is. Uh, he is uh, because he is. He, he is. Now, John chapter 8, uh, uh, 
if, if you would, uh, somebody read verse 24, please. That is why I said that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be. Uh, Unless you believe that I am who I claim to be. Okay? I am. Okay? Uh, John 8, 28. Somebody have that? John 8, 28. You could shout it out, please. Go ahead. Okay, and the and the he h e is that in italics? Yeah, yeah. So what that means is is that that's added for our understanding. What did Jesus say? I am. John eight fifty eight. One of my favorite ones. Go ahead. Ah, ah, ah. Wait, wait, wait. And then what did they do? What did they do? What does it say right after that? Somebody have that? Still there? They they pick up stones to throw at him. Why? It says, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. They picked up stones to stone him because he claimed to be a God? No. Because he says, before Abraham was, because he said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. How do you see Abraham? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they went, I am. And they pick up stones to stone him. Not because he claimed to be a God, because he claimed Yahweh. He claimed to be one with, oh, man. Okay, he will be to Moses and his people whom he will be. He doesn't reveal himself to Moses as God, the creator, or the God of power, Elohim. But Wycliffe says, as the personal God of salvation and all that contains, uh, all that I am contained shall be manifested through the ages to come, culminating in him whose I am lights the pages of the New Testament. And so God is a personal God. Jesus is a personal Savior. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The light came to Moses through the bush, and he said, I must turn to see. When the Lord saw that he turned to look, God called him by name which you have to wonder how he figured, like, this image, how does he know my name? Anyway, Jesus is the light of the world. You must turn and see. And when Jesus sees that you turn and look, he will call you by name as well. Moses is just getting started. Verse 15, furthermore, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. And he tells them to go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you. 
and what, uh, 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 and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will, so I said, I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt, the land of Canaan, the Canaanite, the Hittite, Amorite, and the Parasite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. <sighs> and he goes on, they will pay heed to what, what you say, uh, wait, and they will pay heed to what you say, and you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and he will say to him, to him the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, so now please let us go three days' journey to the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, but I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under, what does your Bible say? Compulsion. What else? Any other translation? A strong hand. Duress. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt and all my miracles with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of of it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house Articles of silver and articles of gold clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. I have a video clip of a song I like to show you. It's called Nobody Greater. It's uh, become kind of a theme song, and then we'll close with that. I think you have to X out of um, um, Pro Presenter or whatever it is. mountain looked all around couldn't find nobody went down into the deepest valley looked all around down there couldn't find nobody I went across the deep blue sea couldn't find one to compare To your grace, your love, your mercy Nobody greater, nobody greater than you I searched all over, couldn't find nobody I looked high and low 
still couldn't find nobody, nobody great, nobody greater, no, nobody greater than you. Searched all over, couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody great, nobody great, nobody greater than you. Nobody can heal. Like you can, oh most holy one, you are the great I am. Awesome in all your ways, and mighty is your hand. You are healed, carried out, redemptive plan.
It's not all about me. Take my. 